told you about uh, Isla and I having an anniversary last month recently, and, and it was great. We did the things that uh, couples do on anniversaries. Uh, we went out to a nice restaurant. Uh, we exchanged cards and all of that stuff. And I, it got me to thinking, though, of all of the different ways that we tell someone, I love you. Uh, the creative things and maybe not so creative things that we do sometimes. You just try to convey that message. And uh, I read the other day, like in America, there's something like $20 billion dollars billion with a B that we spend each year on Valentine's Day, on cards and chocolates and gifts and romantic getaways and all of that stuff. I mean, just to try to tell someone, hey, you matter to me. I care about you. Um, and sometimes it's, for some people, it's not so much the selecting the card. You, you have a gift with words, so it's, it's, it's what you put in the card, right? Um, you write those words or maybe even a poem to your beloved. Uh, there are the extremes of trying to message someone how much you care about them. I mean, you could, you could hire a skywriter. <laughs> you could hire someone to do a singing telegram, which really sounds annoying. So I wouldn't recommend that. Um, yeah, I don't want a quartet at my door and, you know, I'm in my jammies and they're singing something. That to me doesn't sound that great. But uh, then there's the other extreme of, of maybe, and some of us guys are guilty of this, of, of maybe not doing enough, you know, like, hey, I told, I texted her on her anniversary, I love you, you know, and it's like, man, you got to do more than that. Well, I put three heart emojis on that. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe a little more, you know, uh, to really convey what the heart feels, um, which gets us to Easter because I don't know that there is an I love you in history as powerful and impactful as this one of God sending his son to redeem a humanity that he created and that he loves so dearly. Um, like the two John 3.16s, right? The first one is in the Gospel of John, fourth book of the New Testament, very familiar to a lot of people. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So how does he send this message? For God so loved the world that he gave. There's a gift. He gave his only son. Mm. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now there, there's an I love you right there. So this God who created the universe... And all things, and created human beings, a special part of this creation, in his image. He saw that we lost our way. And he sent us a redeemer to give up his life so that we could be brought together, not just for our 50, 70, 100 years here, but for eternity. It's an amazing thing, right? The other John 3.16 is the 25th book of the New Testament, 1 John 3.16. John writes this, by this we know love. Okay, how do we know that, John? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Wow. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Read that with me if you would. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives 
for the brothers and the sisters. On Easter, we commemorate that Jesus died for our sake, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and we anchor into that historical event and into the promise of the future that we have because of it. We're saved because of what Jesus did for us. The gospel story, the story we celebrate today, is the ultimate, I love you. I mean, what more could God have done? He didn't send a Hallmark card or hire a skywriter. He didn't send us a text message, although the Bible, I guess, is a sort of text message. But he sent his own flesh and blood because he so loved the world. That's the God we worship and the God we anchor into today. Our future is secure because of the I love you that is the gospel story. And I want to talk a bit this morning about remembering. Remembering is something that lovers do. Uh, When Isla and I have an anniversary, we remember, we may remember all the way back to those I do's, you know, on our wedding day. We may remember some of the highlight real moments of our marriage. Sometimes we'll remember, you know, and cringe a little bit at some of the not so highlight real moments uh, among the, our 29 years together. Uh, but remembering is important in a love story and it's important to what we do today on Easter. Remembering kind of reminds me of these three sisters, elderly sisters who had lived together for years. The youngest sister, 92. The middle sister, 94. The oldest sister was 96 years old. And one night on the second floor of their home together, she was preparing her bath, had gotten the water just right, stepped into the tub and could not remember Am I getting into the tub or was I getting out of the tub? And she cried out, Sisters, I can't remember. Was I getting in or getting out of the bath? The middle sister, the 94-year-old said, I'm on my way up. I'll help you out. But when she got in the middle of the stairs, she couldn't remember. Was I going up the stairs? Was I going down the stairs? Sisters, I can't remember. Was I going up? Was I coming down? The youngest one downstairs just rolled her eyes and thought, I hope I never get that forgetful, you know, knock on wood. And she called out, I'll be there in a minute, sisters, but I got to answer the door first. (laughs) You know, we remember things, we forget things. And yeah, the older we get, the more things we tend to forget. And it's so interesting. In Scripture, remembering, not forgetting, is so important. God commands us to remember over 200 times in the Bible. One of those times to not forget is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. God says, take care lest you forget the Lord. Sometimes we forget important things or important people. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. I mean, pause. Don't forget that. Rehearse that in your mind. And so over and over the Israelites were told to to stop, to remember You know, God had been with them every step of the way in their history. He had formed them into a people, his own nation. 
a chosen people. He had rescued them from Egypt in a dramatic way. He had parted the waters of the Red Sea. He had fed his people and given them water to drink while they were wandering in the desert. They were in the promised land, a land that he promised to them. And a land that he delivered to them. Remember, rehearse those things. Don't forget those. And then I think about Jesus, you know, famously said in Luke chapter 22, he said, do this in remembrance of me. When we took the bread, we broke that. When we took the the wine together today, we did that in remembrance of Jesus. We had that carved on a big maple table at the church I grew up in as a kid. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what God has done for you. I mean, we did that a few weeks ago on our 50th anniversary. We said it's because of him. We don't want to forget this church is here because of him. He's the one who's brought us to where we are today. And so it's good on Easter to kind of stop down and rehearse those truths. Remember what Jesus did for us. How he died for us, was raised for us. Our sins are forgiven. We have a future hope of heaven because of him. And Jesus is now reigning over all things at the right hand of the Father. And so we remember By the way, Paul told his protege, Timothy, to remember. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he said, Timothy, remember three big things. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So three simple things to remember. First, just remember Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christos. Remember him. Remember how he was risen from the dead. And remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are the things Paul wanted Timothy to remember because I've I've done church planting and there's a lot of stuff going on. Got a lot of balls up in the air, a lot of problems, a lot of problematic people. And you need to come back to the gospel. Remember, don't forget that. That's who we are. That's our identity. And this morning, I mean, that's what we've been doing. We took the elements of communion, remembered Jesus. We've been singing songs of praise to Jesus. Every prayer that we have prayed has been prayed in the name of Jesus this morning. And so we remember Jesus. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. Confessions this morning. I used to think creeds, religious creeds, I thought they were a bad thing. I thought that was something to be avoided. And then I started reading some of the ancient creeds and started getting, wait a second, those are just Bible truths, big Bible truths. And, and it, it, I guess what eluded me for so long is people didn't read. I mean, until recently, most people couldn't even read. And how many people actually owned a Bible? Until the last three, four hundred years, eh, nobody did. I mean, maybe if you were really wealthy, you had a scroll or something like that. But, but they used these creeds to together recite the big truths that they shared in common. One of those from back 340 A.D. or something, the Apostles' Creed. Listen to these words and see if these aren't the things that we believe today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I mean, that's a highlight reel of the great truths of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. That's what that is. Of lifting up the centrality of Christ to who we are and the future that we have. By the way, one thing before you... Remembering Jesus, that's kind of the first thing Paul tells Timothy to do. Another confession for me. On Easter Sunday, I've had this nasty habit for years of kind of fast-forwarding to the empty tomb. I love the empty tomb. I love the glory. I love Jesus magnified and overcoming Satan, overcoming the Roman government and establishing his true identity. I love all of that. But remembering Jesus, there's more to Jesus than just the glorious resurrection. There's the Jesus who suffered, who was betrayed by his friends. There was the Jesus who was God walking in our shoes, in our sandals. I remember Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus was called a man of sorrows. And to me that's good news. Why is man of sorrows? Why is that? Because we are a people of sorrows. Some of them your neighbors know about. Some of them your struggle is obvious. You lost your spouse this last year. You lost your job recently. Some of it's obvious. A lot of it's not. A lot of it's hidden. Loneliness, depression, mental illness, financial woes that you're kind of covering. I mean, there's so many sorrows, and our Savior is a man of sorrows. He did not fast forward past that part of the human identity. He lived it. And so the Savior who is with you today understands, loves you, and cares, and he's been through a lot. I mean, let's face it, his life was cut short, violently short. In fact, the Romans, that word cross, cruciari, is the base of the word, another Latin word, which was excruciating. Can't remember the the Latin on that, but think about that. When the Romans were searching for a word, what's the most horrible thing? Excruciating. They borrowed the word cross to make that point. So Jesus, when we remember Jesus, we don't want to just jump to the glory and the authority and the reign, we also want to remember what he went through for us because that is a very important part of that I love you, right? And so we remember Jesus, and then he tells Timothy, we remember Jesus, yes, risen from 
the dead, verse 8, risen from the dead. We remember that Jesus, who loved us, who cared for us, died clinically dead. The one who imbued life into the universe. Every animal, every person, every cell in the universe that we know or that we don't know yet. All life sources from him and he died for us. But he did not stay dead. Isla and I, hopefully we'll get to go to Israel next April. If, if the world cooperates, we had this trip planned a couple of years ago. But been a couple of times and one of the places you always go is the garden tomb. The garden tomb, which some believe might be the place where Jesus was buried. Uh, spoiler alert, it is empty, okay? You can look in there. There's nobody in there. And wherever it was that Jesus was buried, he's not in there. I mean, you could, you could get on Expedia. You could travel to Sri Lanka to, today or tomorrow and visit the Temple of the Tooth and see the cremated remains of the Buddha. You could take a flight five hours to Kofu, China, visit the grave of Confucius, you could have, head over to Medina, Saudi Arabia, and visit the grave of the great prophet of Islam, Muhammad. And then a little jump over to Medina, while, or Machpelah, while you're in the neighborhood, and visit the burial place of Abraham. Wherever Jesus is buried, he's not there. I love this part of the story. Joseph of Arimathea loaned a tomb. Short-term rental kind of situation, right? Like Airbnb for graves. Only needed for 72 hours. Because he's not going to stay dead. He's not, we're not going to need it for long, folks. And despite that the Romans put a guard detail in front of it and sealed up the tomb, God rolled that stone away and he came out more alive than ever, as you will and I will one day to the glory of Jesus Christ. So remember Jesus. Remember Jesus risen from the dead. Why is that so important to remember? Because it's a separator. It, it, it means that Jesus, he was a good teacher, but he wasn't just a good teacher. It means Jesus was a prophet, wasn't just a prophet. Jesus worked miracles. He didn't just work miracles. It means that Jesus was the Messiah. And for us, it's pretty relevant. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, Jesus was, quote, the first fruits from among the dead. Meaning his resurrection was a preview of coming attractions. Meaning that is what's waiting for us who have faith in Jesus. So the ultimate I love you involved an excruciating crucifixion. A horrific death so that our salvation could be assured and it involved a resurrection so our eternal life could be guaranteed. And finally, Paul says, Timothy, as you remember, also remember the gospel that I preached. Remember the gospel that I preached. This descendant of David, Jesus of Nazareth, yes, he was murdered by the Romans, raised from death to life. Why is the gospel, literally, why is that good news preached in his name? It means that you matter to God. It means that you are precious to God. He sent his son, his flesh and blood, 
to redeem you. It means that he didn't care about you like Hallmark card level or box of chocolates level. He sent himself to redeem you. Remember 1 John 3.16, by this we know, we know love. But he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. I like that. We know. And you don't, don't look at your neighbor or elbow anybody sitting next to you. But there are people in our lives that we, we think, <laughs> we think they love us. She probably loves me or most days, you know. This one we know. This one we know. It's proven, historically established. He gave his life for us. He laid down his life for us. And that story is good news because it is proof God cares about little old us. He sent his son to save us. Now this morning right now, it is good news. We wake up each morning forgiven and free because of what Jesus did for us. Right now, it is good news because in a culture, a time and place where people are chasing fame and fortune, we know there is more to life than that. The resurrection fills life with meaning. And so we love God and we love our neighbor made in the image of God. We're here with a purpose because of what Jesus has done for us. And this morning, maybe it's time to proclaim your faith in Jesus. If you want to do that, we would love to help you do that publicly. Let me tell you just a little bit about baptism. We talk about that sometimes. Baptism is an interesting and ancient Christian rite. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Baptism, what is it? It is a rehearsal of the gospel, a reenactment of the gospel. Romans chapter 6, won't read it, but Romans chapter 6, Paul tells the Roman people, he says, hey, you guys, Jesus died for you, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, and he says, Romans, remember when you were baptized in the name of Jesus, the old version of you died and was literally buried, baptizo, and was raised. And now you live a brand new life because you've put your faith in Jesus. So maybe that's the step you need to take today. Maybe you just need some prayers. Huddle up with somebody around you and say, I need prayers or could I pray over you? Come down and pray with me or Phil, one of our shepherds. But whatever we do, let's respond with thanksgiving in our hearts as we stand together and worship.